and welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia, and this is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hello. Um, also, I realized I keep on saying Ima, and I don't think they understand that that, that is Hebrew for mother. Um, I hope my listeners uh, understand that. Um, so today's topic is going to be on bad parenting um, advice. All right. What did I do wrong? No, you're innocent. You're innocent <laughs> until proven guilty, which we're about to discuss. Um, I, I personally think you, I was raised pretty well, um, only because I've seen really bad situations from other people where like they were raised really bad, really wrong, like really, like there was negligence like to the T. And I definitely realized like after living through that and seeing that in other people, I definitely took an appreciation um, of, my, of my parents. Um, so like my complaints I think are benign, uh, but like the biggest thing I had was because we grew up in such a religious home, I wasn't allowed to talk to girls. And looking back, I thought that was the most stupidest thing in the world. And growing up, I thought it was stupid. And now that I'm an adult and I'm gonna have kids, I think not being allowed to talk to girls at the age of like 13 to 18, I don't know, I think, I think it's kind of silly. Um, but that's well, really spoke, all I, you spoke uh, to your sisters. I mean, you had contact with your sisters and your yeah, aunts. Yeah, but I couldn't talk. If I got caught talking to a girl, like uh -huh. any girl outside of my close relatives, I was yelled at, ridiculed, and told not to do it. And if not some, not me, but some of my friends got caught doing it, they would be suspended or expelled from school. And yeah, at one point, at one, at one point, I was seeing. Um, I said hello to my sister, uh, Pesha. I was in Crown Heights, New York, and I gave her a big hug because I haven't seen her in a while. And sure enough, like two minutes later, she gets a phone call from her cell phone of like, I think you or, or Tati, which is another name for father, my, my father, saying that he saw someone told him that, that she was hugging a boy. And she's like, yeah, I was hugging Sadia. Uh, we're here together in Crown Heights. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> like the scrutiny is ridiculous. Like, you, uh -huh. I mean, it's kind of funny mm -hmm. in, in a weird way, but like, it's just, I think it's just stupid. I think it's just silly. Yeah, I was talking to, uh, from a woman who's a very prominent psychologist in our community. She had something like that that happened to her that she, um, she and her brother, her brother was coming in from out of town. So she arranged to take him out to lunch at one of the kosher restaurants. And her husband, who's a rabbi, somebody came over to him and says, listen, I don't, you really didn't want to tell you this, but I saw your wife with another man in a restaurant. And the rabbi said, yeah, that's her brother. I mean, I guess you, you could appreciate the concern. Like, you know, that in the Jewish community, you can't get away with shit. Like, like <laughs> even, if you, even if you did, it won't be for long because you're going to get caught. You're going to be found out. Everything's like, but yeah, we're, we're, we're detracting from the topic. So the point is, is that it's um, parenting rules that wound up being stupid. Um, so do you think that um, the, uh, had we permitted you to, um, to speak to girls and not put any restriction on it, uh, do you think this would have, um, say, prepared you better to relate to women as, as you got older? Um, Yes and no. Uh, see, like, everything is hashkacha pratis, which means divine providence. So looking back and saying shoulda, coulda, woulda is a waste of time. But now that we're talking about it, um, 
I would definitely say that I think like I was a nervous kid as it is. Like you didn't have to tell me not talk not to talk to girls. I was nervous talking to them anyways. But like because I wasn't allowed to talk to girls, like there was a moment where like I was caught in between where I wanted now I want to talk to them, but I had my like anxiety of not being able to. And I think at one point I was on this this one street back in eighth grade was like the hangout spot for all the boys and girls. And I was there hanging out and talking to girls. But then I saw somebody from our shul, our synagogue, walking down the street and saw me. And I got scared Ooh, and thought that, that he would bust me. That, so I like booked it and I ran. And like <laughs> looking back, I'm like, I'm not doing a drug deal. Like I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm just talking to the opposite sex. And all of a sudden, like that's like the biggest problem. Like that's the biggest deal. Like, like that's the worst thing I can do. And I, I whatever, I, I, I learned from it in a sense of that's, that's not going to be me with my kid. That's, I could say is that that's definitely not going to be me. Um, I think, I think when you're too strict with parenting, the, the, the kids just wind up hiding things from you and they don't really mm-hmm. necessarily respect you. I mean, I think you had a very valid point. That is true. But as a parent, it's like you're almost like a tightrope. On one hand, you know, you want your kid to be honest. You want to have a good relationship with your kid. But on the other hand, you need to also be a disciplinarian at the same time. So like I said, it's, it's, a, very, it's, a, it's a very tricky balance. Because, you know, you do have to correct your kid. And also, you hit on something else about the idea of, you know, talking, like being on the street and talking to a girl. Um, that it also varies with communities. I know in New York, in the Hasidic communities of New York, men and women, even married women, men and women, never talk to each other on the street, ever. Because um, I know when I was in Crown Heights, um, when I became a Balas Tshuva, um, I would go to people's houses for Shabbos and for Yantuf and I'd go to Shurim and the, the, the husbands there, they were, they were wonderful guys. They were terrific. They at the Shabbos table, um, well, Abavich is a little more liberal of, than maybe say like some of the other Hasidic group like Satmer. And at the Shabbos table, these men were so warm and friendly and they spoke to the Bali Chuva girls at the Shabbos tables and they wanted to make them feel welcomed and they wanted to see how, they were getting along in the community. But if we saw the same man on the street, we would not even look at each, we would pass each other by and not even look at each other because it wasn't considered proper on the street for you men and women to even like greet each other in some of the, in this Hasidic community. Yeah. And I think, well, and that's why it's like, I don't want to scrutinize because some of the rules that I learned about the opposite sex, about what we were allowed to do, what we shouldn't be doing, I think it, it saved me a lot where it's like, you're not allowed to touch a, a woman unless it's your wife. Um, that I That's hold a good idea. very strong. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. Um, another great idea is, is that you're not allowed to be secluded with a woman. You know, I like, like your idea on that. Go, yeah. go, I, want you to, I want you to talk about that. that you, got a good, you have a good twist on that. Go ahead. Well, well, well the reason why is because it's, it's more protection for you than for, than for them. It's that if, if I know I'm not being secluded, I know that there can't be, God forbid, any accusatory issues. Like I, it's about creating boundaries and protecting yourself. It's not about, 
and this is where I get so frustrated where, where I hear some people unfortunately say that like, oh, it's because you're gross and disgusting and I can't, no, that's not what it's about. It's about protecting yourself, protect, really it's about protecting your soul and, and showing respect to the opposite sex and being able to create healthy boundaries. And that's how in Judaism, we create healthy boundaries. Um, but what I, I like, gonna... I like that one time you said to me, and it was so true, you said to me, laws of Yechud and Shem is not to protect the woman, it's to protect the man. Yeah, no. It, I, I, I mean, thought it was good. It, it, well, it is because, because you're supposed to really be careful of, you know, there can be false accusations. And if you are not in the, you're in the right time, the right place, and you make sure that you don't do the right, do the wrong things and you have this level of protection where it's like, well, I, I don't touch anyone. Um, but it was interesting though, there was this news article that came out, um, I think last week, uh, this Muslim man in Germany, he wouldn't shake the uh, woman's hand and he was trying to go for citizenship and they have to do a proper formal shaking, uh, shaking of hands like ceremony. Uh, I'm butchering it, but whatever, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm sorry, due to my religion, I don't. And because of that, they were like, yeah, sorry, you don't get the citizenship. And they totally disavowed his citizenship. And he's been trying to get citizenship since 2002. And like this, this came as a shock, but not really because it's Germany and Europe and they don't really give a fuck. But like they, they had like certain rules where like, it's like a cultural thing. Like you have to respect our culture and our culture is for us to shake hands. He's like, I don't even touch men. Like I, I, like, I'm a, he said he was a doctor that like, obviously being a doctor, if it's for, you know, health reasons and if it's for protecting uh, the human life, then you're allowed to touch, obviously. Right. But like, he just doesn't touch men and women. And it's just so funny that like- in a casually, in a, ca- in a casual situation. Yes. Right, that's how you would put it, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to what I was saying. So I want to ask, I want to ask you, um, so how was it growing up? I know this, this is interesting because- Growing up in the 1950s and 60s as a teenager is, is like nothing compared to what today is and definitely wasn't the way I grew up. But mm-hmm. what were the rules, like the standard rules in your house that you had to follow? And what were um, the rules that maybe you're, I know, I know you, you said a little bit that your school, you forced to have with your school, but maybe something in the community that you were in that you had to follow. That um, yeah, so, that either either isn't like today in a, in one way or not or another, in a good way or in a not so good way. We're okay, like you're well, glad it's my, not there. Well, okay. Well, my our parents' philosophy, our parents' philosophy at that time, they were the, like I said, they were the generation of poor immigrant parents that were from Europe, and the way that they were raised was you did anything out online, it was spare the rod and spoil the child. And so when my parents were raising us, I mean, here they were, the, you know, immigrant parents, devastating depression, devastating world war, especially my father. My father lost two siblings. He was, they, my parents were Americans, they were not in the Holocaust, but my father tragically lost a brother during World War II as a, a soldier. He was, killed, he was killed in the Dorchester coming over the Atlantic. The, the ship was sunk. And his sister, um, his sister had died a few weeks before that of cancer when she was only 14 years old. 
know, World War II, there was, you know, cancer is still dangerous, but at least we have some treatments. In those days, there was nothing anyone could do for it. So quite a very rough upbringing. So when uh, my parents were bringing me and my sisters up, oh my gosh, we, believe me, it was, uh, like I said, very similar. It was, it was toned down a little bit from their upbringing. It wasn't as brutal, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, the, uh, there's a saying, uh, call me a canoe mama likes to paddle me. <laughs> and, <laughs> I never heard that before. Yeah. And, um, oh my gosh, um, you, uh, I cannot, uh, don't ask how many times I got hit, slapped, beaten for things I thought were kind of stupid. Uh, my, like my, um, you know, what can I say? Okay. You know, sitting what, at the, what, what was uh, dinner, what was the dinner, uh, dinner table. If you spilled anything at the dinner table, you got yelled at or maybe hit. Ooh. And it's like, hey, it was an accident. Yeah, but you should have been more careful. That oh. type of thing. Um, if, um, if we, well, if we spoke back, if we, if we talked back to our parents, oh God, that was, whoa, that wow. was a cap, that was a capital offense. <laughs> Talking back to your parents was a capital offense, man. Oh, you, you really got, you got smacked then. Um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I know. It was like, yeah, one time, um, yeah, my, I remember my, <laughs> oh gosh, one time, um, I, I think I was already in college or something. Uh, I was driving back from Pennsylvania with this boy. We had gone to the Kutztown Fair. We got lost coming back. There was no GPS in those days, no cell phone in those days. You got lost. Oh boy, you got lost. So when I got to the house, it was pretty late. Very, very late. I think it was like, I don't know, 3, 3.30 in the morning, maybe 4. And uh, my mother was there at the door, you know, and, I, and she opened up the door. And I came in and she said, and she, gave, say, she said goodbye to the young man who, you know, had taken me there. And she starts chasing me with a belt. <laughs> I mean, hey, I was 19 years old. Yeah. And I said, Wait, you're 19. <laughs> I said, oh, hey, I said, I said, we got lost. Well, you know, probably what she was thinking. Yeah, he got lost down his pants. <laughs> oh, should I tell you the story about the 5,000? Should I tell the story about the 5,000 puzzle piece guy? Oh, yes, please do. <laughs> okay. I remember that story. Okay, here's what happened. Well, um, I was 14 years old, and I was dating a boy that was 18, which my parents didn't mind. Not a you know, nice Jewish boy. They didn't mind. They met him. They spoke to him. They, they didn't think anything of it. It's only okay. four years apart, technically. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, you're... Your uh, brother-in-law, the lawyer, was tell he, when I told him the story, he went, what? He goes, he started to name off all the laws, all the violations that this guy could have been pulled in no, on. No, you're forgetting. It's prob laws were probably made in the future. Yeah. There's laws in the future. 1950s and 60s. I mean, you were allowed to smoke uh -huh. a cigarette at the age of 14. Oh, that's right. Yes. Smoking was permitted at 14. Yeah. So anyway, there was a 5,000-piece puzzle that was on our dining room table. And he came in, he sat down, and he got totally involved in it. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting autistic? and waiting and waiting, and one dollar is going on to the next. Finally, I just get fed up. I walk over. I said to him, look, I said, um, I'm going to bed. When you're finished the puzzle, let yourself out the door and make sure you lock it behind you. 
fine. I just went to sleep. I didn't know he was there till 3.30 in the morning. Wow. He goes home. He told, called me the next day. He said he came home 4 o'clock in the morning. Both his parents are sitting there in the living room, hopping mad. He comes in the door. And the first question is, what were you doing with your 14-year-old girlfriend till 3.30 in the morning? And he goes, um, I was working on a 5,000-piece puzzle. Oh, God. He said they yelled, don't lie to us. They beat the living daylights out of him. Uh, so, I he only... call... so listen, I'll finish the story. So oh, he calls sorry, me sorry. up. He told me about them beating him. And I, I, you know, being 14 years old, I laughed. I laughed and said, good, you deserved it. Well, what happened was many, many years later, when your sister Connie was, uh, was getting married, I was at the Owings Mills Mall looking you know, to buy um, a pair of new shoes for the wedding. And I see this, um, one, of those car, one of those things, uh, fill out this form and you could win a car type thing. And the car is there. So I'm filling out the form. And this gentleman sitting next to me, and he's looking as I'm filling out the form. And he says, excuse me, ma'am, I think I know you. And then he looked and he says, oh, no. He says, you, that's not, that's not her, the name of the woman I know. I said, wait a minute. I said, um, my, I'm using my ethnic name and I'm also married. So who are you looking for? So he told me my English name and my maiden name. And I said, yes. I said, that's me. And he looks, he goes, do you recognize me? By the way, he was with his mother. He had taken her shopping. She was in her 80s by then. So she had and, no ability to smack him at that point. <laughs> so anyway, so, uh, so he says, do you recognize me? I didn't recognize him. And he told me his name. I went, oh, he was the guy. And so I said to his mother, who was standing there, you know, Mrs. Such and Such, he really was working on a 5,000-piece puzzle that night. <laughs> and she smiled and shrugged her shoulders and said, we didn't believe him. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so were there any, and I think, I think like, I'm just, I'm trying to, you know, get the juices flowing and, and understand. So I guess it was just because being raised in the fifties itself, there was just the, the classic parenting rules were just so ridiculous. It, it there, I, I think children nowadays have more and more freedom. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, I think in a way like children and young adults didn't have a voice back then. And I think they're finding a voice more and more now. Like, I don't want to get political, but like uh, Greta Thornburg, she's like 16 and she started that whole like movement, whatever. I'm not getting into politics. I really am not going to elaborate on it, but I'm just trying to say, say that a 16 year old girl like spoke to, to the, I think to the UN and like was, and made her statements like that, I don't think that would happen back in the 50s or 60s. Yeah. I don't think, I think they would- you were right. You are absolutely right. Because I remember many times in high school where we had one incident where we had, where we've had, where we had teachers that were really verbally abusive, or we had, a, we had a substitute one time who was horribly verbally abusive, terrible. And when the class reacted to that, we were told that we were wrong that she was a teacher, they don't care how she spoke to us, but we should just say, yes, ma'am, and keep our mouths shut and just follow the rules. That was the whole thing. It was, like, it was almost like soldiering, I guess, because like I said, they were the World War II generation. So basically the rules were keep your mouth shut and just obey the rules and obey your parents and obey the teacher. And there was very little understanding. I'm telling you, there was very, very little understanding. What would, they, what would she say? What were the words that she used? 
Um, the substitute? Yeah, you, 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 it's okay. We're, we're in a free forum. You can talk. I'm trying. No, she, she was calling us stupid. She was, Shit. I don't know. She was yelling at us. She was just, um, you know, I got up to get a dictionary and she, because I got this, I got out of my seat. I said, she goes, she goes, get out of get back in your seat. I said, I need a dictionary. And I got the dictionary and she goes, get out, get, she's ready to yell at me to get out, get out, get out. And evidently she, when I was called into the office for insubordination, she must've told them a lie because the vice principal, when he was questioning me said, are you sure you didn't use any foul language to her? I said, no. I mean, I would never use foul language to a teacher. I would never do that. I mean, so I you think are she, a teacher. Yeah, I, I think she probably lied her way through that. But um, there was one time we had one teacher that was subbing in our class while we were taking a test. Uh, the regular teacher couldn't be there. And I had a question about some of the directions on the test. I raised my hand and I said, um, he said, yes, I said section. You know, I told him the section, you know, what, you know, I couldn't understand what the directions were. And he goes, okay, shut up, blabbermouth. And everyone just started laughing. It's like, hey, wait a minute. I had a question about what we were supposed to do in the section. Yeah, and they send you guys off to Vietnam and get murdered for no reason. Anyways. Oh, God, that was a nightmare. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, my that was God. A, yeah. How many I'm, of your friends? I, I was on the demonstration side. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know. You, my, casual, my casualties were with the police uh, and the domestic uh, front. <laughs> yeah, that, that, well, that's for a podcast later on. Maybe we'll, we'll do that after, the, after our future cooking, uh, our cooking segment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's surprising how teachers would treat students that way. So it wasn't just parents. It was just, my God, people were shittier back then. Like, I think people, have, people really are getting better. I think it's, it's something mm -hmm. so shocking and so relieving as well that like people are getting better like there's a we are moving forward you know you want to believe in this negativity that like oh the world's going to shit blah 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 2020 but no people are becoming nicer people are becoming more understanding i think the internet really does that too like i honestly i've been on facebook going on these podcast um groups trying to figure out how to like run this whole segment and people have been very helpful like i have not gotten that facebook toxicity that everyone talks about um but there is, I think with raising children today, I think there is a lot more understanding that, you know, parents are, parents are trying to really work on making a real honest relationship with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely understand that. I mean, like my relationship with, 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 with Tati was, that was definitely like in a way, like I felt connected to him. Like I would always call him and tell him about my day or tell him about what I'm up to, you know? And I think like he tried his hardest not to be like his father. You know, because his father was all about work, getting things done, money laundering, whatever. The point is, is that <laughs> it, it was, it, 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 it's just, it's just, we are all getting better as humans. And I think we have to give ourselves a pat on the back sometimes and tell ourselves that we're doing a good job. You know, like we are getting better. We are making this world a better place. We keep on thinking it's terrible, but it's not. And, and, and that's, that's really what I want to say. And I think that's the best way for us to end this segment. Um, so thank you so much, Ima. I really, really appreciate you taking your time. I love you very much and hope you have a wonderful night. Thank you. Love you too, honey. Mwah. Love you. Hi, thank you for listening. Be sure to subscribe and share. I really appreciate it. And my mother does as well.